We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. This is the inaugural edition of Friday Fives, where on Friday mornings, we're going to come to you and we're going to talk about five things that happened over the past week and five things that we're eyeing for the upcoming weekend series. This this weekend, it's the Rays, and maybe the Yankees won't suck against the Rays. That's not to tease anything, but that's definitely one thing we're going to look forward to. Scott, what's up? Yeah, don't suck against the Rays. Like, number one, two, three, four, and five. Just beat the Rays, please. That's That's it. Now, yeah, I'm excited for this because this is going to be, again, kind of down the, the 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 theme that we've been talking about, being more specific and talking about uh, particular instances that are happening. Or and again, like one of these fives is not going to be about the Yankees, but uh, another another opponent in the division. So just other things that we're looking for that are Yankees adjacent going into the weekend. My God, that's two big league teases for the fives looking ahead. People that can't take the anticipation, they might just fast forward to the end. All right, so the first thing. From the week that was in Dunedin, where the Yankees lost two of three to the Toronto Dunedin Blue Jays, soon to be Buffalo Blue Jays, was the catching situation. And like I said, I'm starting off with my, with number one. Starting off, I was right. Higgy caught on Monday night. Garrett Cole. You ready to call it a personal one. catcher situation? No, I'm just going to call it a catching situation. Here's the deal. Two things, two good things are, are okay, right? For the most part. Yeah, well, two, there's glaring, there's glaring weaknesses as well. But two good things. What are you speaking. talking about? The fact that he hit two home runs. 
the catching situation is is seemingly a strength at this point in the season. Yeah, there was some bad moments for each player this series. For Gary Sanchez had a terrible base running mistake in the eighth inning comeback on Tuesday night. It ended the Yankees rally. Who knows? Maybe if he doesn't run into an out on the base pass, they might come back from that that deficit. And then Higgy's pass ball, which is inexcusable in when bases loaded situation to tie the game on Wednesday afternoon. If I hate when this is said, but it's 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 really true. If Gary Sanchez tried to catch a ball low like Higgy did and it got past him, he would be eviscerated. That was just a lazy catching play by Higgy. It was, uh, yeah, it was inexcusable. It's one that certainly could have been avoided. The ball wasn't in a a position that couldn't have been blocked or caught or just made sure that it was, you know, in front of you. There's no doubt about it. Every catcher in the major leagues should be making that play. There's no doubt. So, and you're right. If, if Gary did that, he would be getting destroyed and I would be on, on, on the wagon of destroying him as well, but I'm destroying, I'm destroying Higgy for this because it's inexcusable, especially as a backup catcher, you better damn well not have any, you know, defensive uh, liabilities. You better not be one of those, those you better not be in a situation where the bases are loaded and and one out and Chad Green is throwing to you. No, that was that was Loisaga. Loisaga was throwing to you. Sorry, Chad Green was in the the. Chad Green inning. gave up the home run to. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. There, something else to to talk about here, but Bichette. You know what the you know what the the pitches are are coming unless there's some type of cross up and you didn't expect something. Again, no, it was just a lazy s- lazy move. Still on you. It was just a lazy, lazy move getting the getting the glove over to to catch the ball. No, it, it was terrible. And you can't be lazy with the bases loaded. Bottom line, and and the word lazy gets misconstrued. Lazy being like lackadaisical, and yeah, I lackadaisical. think that's actually how it's used a lot with Gary Sanchez. The word lazy, I think, it gets uh, positioned in a different way, but it's more like not being laser focused on a, on that on that moment, not being. Um, you know, the la- lackadaisical in in your motion to get to the ball, like it's in a, that it's moment. A, it's a split second mental lapse, just like we've seen a ton of plays, whether it's base running plays, catching plays, or shortstop plays. Short plays, or balls in the outfield. Mike Talkman not being able to get the balls in the gap when he's supposed to be a defensive wizard. Yeah, it's these mental mental mistakes that the, the team is making. Um, quickly on Higgy, so he did hit the two home runs Monday night, and that was all the offense that that the Yankees got and all the offense they needed behind Garrett Cole, who was not his usual vintage self. He kind of had to battle through those first couple innings uh, and ended up retiring the last 15 batters. But Higgy has 40 hits in his career. 12 of them are home runs. That's 30% of his hits have left the park. That's four. Uh, that's 12 home runs in 215 plate appearances, which is a homer every 17.9 plate appearance. Last year, Gary Sanchez hit 10 home runs in 178 plate appearances, which is a home run every 17.8 plate appearances. So... I just found I don't know what the takeaway is from from those numbers. I just found them to be very ironic, beautifully ironic that everyone's pining for Kyle Higashioka to to catch more because they're just sick of Gary Sanchez when Kyle Higashioka is terrible offensively. Yeah, he does have a little bit of pop, but otherwise he's terrible offensively. And if he's going to be making mental lapses with the bases loaded trying to catch a, a low slider, it's just 
got no use for him. It's funny what you're saying, though, because what you're saying is that their production power-wise, based on the home run ball, which is a big piece of Gary Sanchez's game, is identical, which uh, well, is 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 not necessarily helping that cause. But Gary yeah, Sanchez you're saying do other terrible, things. That means, okay. Gary but Sanchez for the most part. is doing other things this year offensively. Yes, he is. To be, to be very clear, this year he absolutely is. Um, but that stat doesn't necessarily have a ringing endorsement for either one of them. It wasn't meant to be a ringing endorsement for either one of them. It was just meant to be like, hey, look, look, these numbers are almost the same, which I always find when I, I always enjoy when I stumble upon numbers like that and they're almost identical. You know, before the week or after we saw Higgy uh, catch Cole and then hit those two home runs and uh, also Cole, yes, didn't didn't have the greatest start, but after his, his shaky start locked up uh, and, and what, did, what did he do? Retired the last 15 batters over six. So I mean, he definitely locked in. Higgy hit two home runs. You're looking at that situation now. It's like, okay, we now have two catchers that are going well. That's not a bad thing. Well, no. Here's Let's what keep I, them fresh. Here's what I hope for the Cole throwing to a catcher situation this year. Just give me a mix of both. If, if Cole makes uh, 30 starts this year, I would love it 15 each. And the reason I would love 15 each is just so that he can have a rapport, even if his rapport is better with Higgy, he just needs to have some rapport with Gary Sanchez. So if I think he does, if, and when the time comes in October and Gary Sanchez say Gary Sanchez this year produces a, a, a 900 OPS, which I know that's lofty goal, but say he does that. He's capable of that. You're not sitting him for the first game of the playoffs. No, I, I see. That's exactly right. The, the report needs to be there for both. So let's let's look at uh, you know where we are in June to see how many we're catching. Boone, the uh, the media manager, already. That's what we should be just calling him. He's the media manager. That's what he is. He plays to the media. He plays to the answers of the questions from Zoom. The media manager talked about well, this is the reason because of uh, you know Gary was uh, on, on Saturday and Sunday, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't even matter what comes out of his mouth. This is the reason why Kyle, he had an excuse and a reason for it. Uh, so it justified it, not as the pet personal catcher, but justified it as a reason and why they did it to save his legs, to, to give him the break that he needs, whatever. So let's look at it in June and identify how many they've had. And then we can, I think, you know, I, I, I see if it's skewed still and there's it's heavily weighed towards um, towards Higgy, you know, uh, approaching the all-star break, then there's something there. Yeah, that's fair enough. So what's the, what's All the right. second, what's the second thing from the week? Number two is Jamison Tyon's second start was, uh, was definitely not outstanding to, to bring that, that word back up. Um, he, he definitely didn't look as in control. He did not look great. Uh, 84 pitches, three and two thirds inning, eight hits. He was hit around. He was hit around a lot. He was definitely leaving the ball over the zone quite often. Uh, five runs, one walk, three strikeouts. Um, yeah, he couldn't miss bats, and the the Blue Jays. That were, was the biggest issue for me. Well, the Blue Jays. I think the the fact that he didn't have his best stuff. He was definitely leaving uh, balls over the plate. By that second time, when you have skilled uh, batters like the Blue Jays do, and aggressive young batters like the Blue Jays do, they're going to be aggressive in the strike zone. If they see something they recognize, they're going to pounce on it, and that's what they did. The Blue Jays have more competent offensive players than the Baltimore Orioles. So that's, that's just the reality of it. Tyon's first start of the year against Baltimore was was a great first start. Great first uh, first time back on the mound in 707 days, as we talked about last episode. I'm going to withhold judgment, though, because he, he is on a road back, right? 
And, um, you know, we'll talk about another new starter to the Yankees uh, in, in a couple of in a couple minutes. But I'm, I'm going to withhold judgment on Tyon. This was not a good start, though. It's just I saw him struggling to miss bats and some of the hits were soft. But then if you go to the second time through the order, all of the hits he gave up, I believe it was three extra base hits. They were all over 96 miles an hour, which is which is considered hard hit. So which, which means he's not fooling anybody. Right. Which means the you know, probably the spin rate was off. Um, location was probably off. You're starting to see a number of things. So what does that mean? Does that mean there was there was early fatigue? Does that mean he's not uh, able to execute the pitches to the to the level uh, that he needs to because of whatever factor? You know, obviously we're going to be looking at him uh, with a microscope, identifying like how is he snapping off those those breaking balls? Is he getting the spin rate and the you know vertical movement that he needs to to be effective? Is he locating the fastball where he needs to? And all of these things. You know, when you have mechanical changes, when you have the injury history of, of a Jamison Tyon, you got to look under a microscope and examine for every start. And and yeah, we saw early on. Maybe it was just a bad day. Maybe it was just a bad start. Again, reserving judgment like you uh, to to have a bigger sample size and to let him get his legs under him a little bit more. But um, definitely early things to to look at is the p- pitch execution early on. The third thing from the week is that I think Clint Frazier is officially in a platoon situation in the outfield. And I don't know. So he was out of the lineup two games against Tampa. And then he did start on Monday, but then he did not start. Uh, Gardner replaced him late in there. And then he on Tuesday, he played and he was not in the lineup on Wednesday afternoon. If the Yankees are not going to let Clint Frazier, 26 years old, work through a not that bad slump. It was 13 plate appearances. If they're not going to let everybody a, else is, is not doing well. Yeah. If they're not going to let him work through a slump, after 13 plate appearances, he's never going to get a full-time shot. Yeah, it's discouraging seeing such early bailing from the commitment to to Clint Frazier. And this was, I know, something that you were concerned about with Gardner and the line, Gardner on the team. But again, Gardner on the team should not affect this. It really just shouldn't. It's the manager that's making that decision. Gardner on the team is a good thing. I think you know, overall, having him there. The fact that that there's an early hook is more to the detriment of the org, of the the management of the team and not staying with your young 26 year old guy who just needs the reps and then immediately going back. It's a it's a it. They're soft hands, man. They're they're like like you need to have a strong hand and be able to ride your guy a little bit more, especially when you see people struggling in the lineup in the three, four, five spots. You see that happening, and then your young left fielder who very well could be a integral piece of what this team looks like in the next five to, to seven years, four to six years, however you want to look at it. And you're not going to have a, uh, you know, a stronger hand with him at the bottom of the lineup to work through some things who also has the ability to really cause or, or make some significant change in the way that this lineup construction is like, that's just, that's just a bad move. Bottom the, line. The reason I was concerned with re-signing Brett Gardner is because of his name. It's not because of the player. It's because if if you just it's because take of out, Aaron Boone. But if you if if you signed if there was a, a an identical player to Brett Gardner at 38 years old that they signed but his name was John Smith, Clint Frazier would not be in a platoon situation. It's the fact that he's that you have that Boone has the name Brett Gardner there that he to fall is going to fall back on. When I would much rather have Brett Gardner be the fourth outfielder, go into center field, go into left field, go into right field whenever they need him, 
but not be a platoon situation with, with Clint Frazier. You have to let him work through this. It was 0 for 13. It was not 0 for 33. 0 for 13 is a bad two games. Who cares? Yeah, no, I I, I agree. And, and you're not going to get the development or, you know, especially the trust. With, how is there? The, how are you going to how are you going to give the kid confidence? How are you going to uh, especially a kid like Clint Frazier? Like we know what the, the history has been. Yes, he took some some major steps last year in not only the way he played on the field, but the way he uh, the way he carried himself. It seems like there was a maturation process. They, you know, he's getting a little older. He's he's handling things a little differently. Why why are we? You understand that? You you know who your player is. Part of the reason why Boone was such an appealing uh, manager candidate for the New York Yankees was the relationship building, the the way that he could communicate with his players. This is now I'm identifying this as as a potential issue in, in the management style, because he's not reading who the player is and identifying what that impact could be uh, for the team. And because this is not just a short-term issue, this is a long-term issue. This is a guy that could be an integral piece of this Yankees team. And I dare I you to find me a baseball well. player that hasn't gone through an 0 for 13 in their career. It's like, it's so, it's so ridiculous. Especially early in their career. Yeah. All right. Next thing, number four, do you remember when uh, when when all of us wanted Jay Bruce, you know, on the on the roster? He I believe like, we hey, spent hey, an entire bat. episode. Lefty bat, you know, this guy's got the veteran presence. He can he can he can hit the ball out. Can play a little first base. The skirt. No, Jay Bruce is trash. Jay Bruce is complete <laughs> trash. He's bad at baseball. He's becoming Chris Carter like the the defense is bad. He can't catch a ball that is. I haven't you know, seen him with his eyes a, closed on yet. a Sunday hop. That he can't hit the ball, he can't do much. I don't know at this point why he's still on the roster. Like for real. And and Fair. is this getting to the Chris Carter point where no we Chris were, Carter had no, like, no, no 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 to the to the effect of like why is he still on the roster? Like well, why is this guy still here? Why Chris, is this guy still here? Chris Carter got released in June. It's the second week of the season. Okay, right. Yeah. So that's a little different. I agree. Like no, no, it's not different in the sense that like, why is he is he going to be on until June? That's my point. Oh, I think in April we were like, okay, we can release Chris Carter now. It's fine, and no, they're like anybody is better. It it doesn't matter. You ask why not Mike Ford? Eyes open. You ask why not Mike Ford? Why not Mike Ford? It's because there's like a what is it one point five million dollars that they're paying Jay Bruce if they release him, so that they're just going to keep him until Voight's back. Okay. That's dumb because that is a detriment to the team. I, I don't the disagree. Gonna, this, is, this is similar to so many other money situations with the New York Yankees, with Ellsbury, with A-Rod. You look at uh, Chris Carter and the money they paid. Okay, fine. The money is already spent. Now let's look at what's happening on the field. And if the product is not as good, who cares? Because the money is already spent. It doesn't matter. What are you getting? You're not getting a return. You're getting a negative return. Is that better than zero? Is that better than not having the player? I argue, no, it's not better. It's actually worse. So bring up Mike Ford, eat the money, and shut up about it. But I can't get too upset about this when the entire team is struggling. Like Jay Bruce, releasing Jay Bruce is not going to solve the Yankees' issues right now. Okay? So yeah, not release as a him. whole. Release him. I don't care. Bring up Mike it's Ford. It's not helping the matter, though, either. Because the, def- not. the defense on the side is is not helping his guys. And I know Mike Ford's not a... Not Don Mattingly over there at first base, but he's better. He's well, then better. If that's the case, if that's what you're worried about, and you don't care about off, like if the if the, no, the no, rest I'm saying of the, both, I'm saying you can look at both sides of the ball. Like, but he, Jay Bruce is negatively affecting the team in both in two ways. In a perfect world, 
Stanton picks it up. Hicks picks it up. Judge continues to to hit well. He did hit two home runs on Wednesday afternoon. The rest of the lineup is going well. You can have one spot in the order that can't hit, and then you just worry about defense. And then in that case, you could have LeMahieu play a little bit more first base until Voight is back. You have Ruggio Dor playing more, and you call up Tyler Wade, and you just shore up the infield defense until Luke Voight is healthy. But the, the problem is the lineup has seven holes out of nine right now and with and the way their guys are these guys are performing five or a major hole you could we could we could throw stones at you know who we think is more important but they're all sucking in that middle in that middle and the heart of the lineup i i do i do um agree in the sense that their dj we're just going to see him more at first base because he's competent and he can play i mean he's going to third he's going to first he's going to second i'm waiting it's going to happen he's going to short at some point <laughs> dj lemayhu will well, be the Yankees got to start point. Geo got to start. Geo got to start. Yes. Yeah. So we're we're playing uh, we're we're playing experimental uh, defensive baseball here with the New York Yankees. So why the hell not? The last thing from the week was Corey Kluber. Another bad outing for him that that makes three underwhelming starts for him to start the year. There is a positive takeaway though, and that was his cutter got a fifty three percent whiff rate in that start. He didn't look good otherwise. But if you're trying to look for nuggets on Corey Kluber. His cutter was effective. So he, he's talked about how he needs to get his mechanics right. He's not worried about his velocity. And that once he gets his mechanics right, the rest will come. So I, I kind of am, do we have to lump him with Tyon in the let them work through these struggles and hope that it gets better? Or are you more worried? Uh, like, I guess my question to you is, are, who are you more worried about, Tyon or Kluber? I think from an injury perspective, I'm more worried about Tyon because he just hasn't pitched in such a long time and the 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 mechanical changes were because of his injuries. I think Kluber has the the longer Kluber goes with, you know, um he he very well may be getting stronger and stronger and stronger. I think Kluber is a guy that's definitely gonna get stronger as he get continues to go. It's a matter of if he could still execute those pitches. So I'm I'm a little I'm a little less worried about him right now, but be, and that's, it's more because of the injury front. And I don't think, I think it's more, he just body needs to get back into like feeling the same way, you know, getting those, um, those baseball muscles back in the same way, that muscle memory for his mechanics, that same way. Cause if he can get to that point and still feel strong and feel good. And like you said, that cutter is getting a high percentage of, of, uh, for the whiff rate, like that is definitely a positive sign for me. So I, I'm optimistic, I think, a little bit more for Kluber in the sense that I it doesn't seem like he's battling any type of injuries. Um, but also Jerry's out for Tyone, like understanding why any struggles are happening. Is it a bad day or is it because of these he's he has drastic mechanical changes that have happened. So they're just very in different pitching situations. style changes. In, in Pittsburgh, they and they did this with Garrett Cole too. Pound the zone with two seam fastballs, low in the zone, try and get ground balls. The, the Yankees and Tyon this year, the approach is utilize the four-seam fastball, throw it up in the zone, and use your spinning curveball. And that way you change planes, you get sw- more swings and misses, and yeah, you get more fly balls, which will probably result in more home runs, but that's just, that's the way the game is going. You throw fastballs up in the zone, and you're going to be, that's how they believe he's going to be more effective. So it's not just mechanical and, and, and um, delivery changes, he's changing his, how he's attacking hitters. No, that's true. That is true. And I, and also 
a lot of that is is uh, is injury prevention. I mean, I think I think getting to that point, yes, it's it's more tactical also in the way that the game is being played, and I think the approach of the New York Yankees, but I think also supported by um, them trying to keep him out of the out of the uh, you know off of the IL and into a sustainable mechanical place where he can where he can prosper long term. Because I think that's a dicey situation as well um, for for him, just identifying what that is, and then also identifying the the potential risk riskier areas in how he's executing pitches. Like is the breaking stuff more of a risk for him? If he's throwing a higher percentage of those, is there a higher percentage now that maybe that will uh, trigger an injury? Cause I think that that's like the torque on the elbow, the torque on, on the arm in different ways is something that they got to be micromanaging a bit and, and just identifying how, how those pitches are being executed compared to how they should be being executed. Uh, and then, you know, what the mechanical changes were, were made because of his injury risk, I hope that made sense. But um, I, I think they're they're using the, him as a Billy Madison. Way. We are now all dumber <laughs> for listening to what you just said. But no, but I mean, the mechanical changes do automatically affect the way that he pitches, right? Like, so you're you're yeah. talking about more of an approach, tactical way, but actually execution and mechanically, those are different. How yeah? How does it? How do they live together? How are they married? And then how are they? Um, identifying any of this and all of this as risk as as injury risk prevention. Well, that's why I'm a little bit more lenient with Tyon and letting him work through this stuff. I, I I get your injury point on him, but with Kluber, if this goes and he's he's got six, seven, eight starts and he's still not be being able to get through the third inning without allowing five runs, I don't know. He how just do may you, not have it anymore. How yeah. do you keep trotting that out there? Yeah, that's a tough one to to do. Uh, again, if he's I'd say by that point, about like five, six starts, like if you haven't okay, he's built had, up, he's, he's at three. So we're talking about another 10 it's not days that far off. Right. But if you haven't built up what you need to build up to be into the season, uh, then you may never be able to get that back. It just may not be. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed there anymore yeah and i know he's a former cy young winner and the allure of that is very enticing but, but again he, we talked about when his signing happened we talked about like expectations from the cy young kluber for all yankees fans need to go out the window that is not what the ceiling is for him the ceiling is no longer cy young Corey kluber that guy is not here anymore that guy's gone i agree but that's not how a lot of yankees fans treated that signing well that's 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 an expectations thing. We've been, I've been talking about this from the beginning. Like when you sign Corey Kluber, don't look at the name. Look at, you can look at the way that he's a veteran guy and is able to potentially grow with what has changed with his body. You know, we've seen guys be able to change CC, change the way that he was able to pitch, but because he was such an effective pitcher 
an effective, you know, thrower of the baseball and mentally was just like better than most, you know, I could see Kluber making that transition and, and getting people out in a different way, but he's not the same guy. Oh, not even, not even close. It's just, I guess it's uh it's a, how long the Yankees want to keep running them out there. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? We've all gone through a lot over the past year plus with COVID. Well, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in your area. And it's available worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living happier today. You can visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily to see for yourself. Visit betterhelp.com slash bronx21. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionals. We have a great special offer for our listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash bronx21. One more time, betterhelp.com slash bronx21. So one thing that the looking ahead here, the the first thing I want to talk about is this slow start trend that the Yankees seemingly have every April. I don't want to say every season because if you look at their record to start the 2020 season, which started in in July of last year, it was actually pretty good. And this is these numbers. Uh, Milan Tulsadas just wrote an article on BronxPinstripes.com how the Yankees fared historically in April. So right now, through um, their record, it's five and seven. Dog shit. Last year, through the first 12 games, it was 9-3. and three. That's very good. But again, it was in the middle of the summer. 2019, 5-7. 2018, 6-6. Six and six. 2017, hey, they were 8-4. and four. That's pretty good. I got a question for you, Scott. This one, this one might be uh, easy for you to answer. What was a big difference with the Yankees between 2017 and 2018? The big difference between the... I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you're going for here. <laughs> Who was managing the team? Was it someone other than Aaron Boone? So are you saying that there's a motivation problem? No. Are you saying I'm that saying there's a preparation problem? Preparation. Preparation is, I think, an issue. And spring training may be too long. Spring training may be a formality for a lot of players. But I'm sorry, when I see the Yankees, specifically the 18, 19, and now the 21 Yankees come out in the first couple of weeks in April, and it's not just that they're losing ball games, they're booting the ball around. They're making outs on the base paths. They have mental mistakes. They can't hit with runners in scoring position. They can't produce in key situations. This, to me, is not just losing games because you're you're losing games, like you're getting beat. They're beating themselves. And, and that has to go with how you prepare fundamentally, how you prepare mentally to make the transition from the boring last two weeks in March of spring training to the let's ramp up the first two, three weeks in April. Am I wrong? Yeah, I'll tell you why you're wrong. The reason you're wrong is because this is very, very simple. Um, Max Goodman, who covers the Yankees for Sports Illustrated, tweeted this out on uh, what a couple days ago, the 13th. 
The Yankees home runs through first 11 games. Uh, 2019, 22. 2020, 23. 2021, 11. They're not having, they're not hitting the ball out of the park. They're, they're not getting the long ball. Uh, and, and that's, that's the, the reason why they're struggling. But because how this do you team explain built, the other years? Because this team is built for home runs, they're just not hitting the ball out of the park. And for whatever reason that is, if that's for preparation, if that's for, uh, you know, multiple guys slumping at the same time, that's the reason the record is what it is because they're not getting the same Hold production. And Can this you team say those so numbers again? Built. What were their numbers in 2019? You said 2022? So uh, 2019 and 2020, they were at uh, 22 home runs and 23 home runs. And this year, they're at 11 home runs. 2019, they had the exact same record through 12 games, but they hit double the amount of home runs. Say that again? In 2019, they were also five and seven, just like Mm -hmm. they are right now. But they had double the amount of home runs. So they were hitting the long ball to start the season in 2019. But they were still losing baseball games because they were playing crappy defense. Okay, so maybe there's a little bit of this both. So the preparation on the defensive side and the small things are more easily masked when you hit the ball out of the park. This quote actually kind of fits with what we're talking about. So after the loss on Wednesday, Boone said in his post-game press conference, when you're not banging, you have to do the little things well. And by banging, he meant hitting home runs. So he's right. When you're not hitting a ton of home runs, you have to play fundamentally sound baseball. My issue with this is you should always be playing fundamentally sound baseball. Oh, and yeah. That's, and that's, when that's not something and when the you're Yankees banging do. The, and when you're banging, the the fundamental baseball just makes it that much better. <laughs> it's not an if if this, then that. It's this, is flaw. this is a flaw. This is a flaw in how they exclusive. Think. Don't you think there's no, a I flaw agree. in how they think? Yeah, and actually, it's funny because the as as uh, as as clown show as the um, the runner on second rule is in the extra innings, it's very much a detriment to the way that the Yankees are built because with a runner on second, you now need to execute to get that runner in, and it's not as easy as just hitting a long ball. There are other ways to do that. And they just get exposed in that way. They just get absolutely exposed in execution of the small things. Well, just because the Yankees aren't built to win games when they have a runner on second base with no outs doesn't mean you should dislike the rule. I don't dislike it for that reason. I'm saying that reason, unfortunately, for very much many reasons, baseball reasons, exposes the flaws of the New York Yankees. So the Yankees start an inning. Stupid either way. But yes, it's not great. The Yankees start the inning with a leadoff double and they all immediately go, shit, damn it, we're screwed. <laughs> all right, thing, uh, second thing we're looking ahead is obviously Tampa coming up. Yankees need to show up. Start, yeah. uh, since this, they just need to show up. They need to show up at home. No, they don't the need Tampa. to just show up. They need to actually show up. The Yankees need to actually show up. They need to grow some balls. They need to take their cojones and they need to walk into Yankee Stadium and not get their asses spanked by the Rays because that's what's happened since the start of 2020. Yes, and by show up, I mean show up. Like actually be competent baseball players and show up against the team that does show up every single time when they play the New York Yankees. And the fact that they're going to be at home, lean on that, do what you need to do. You got some crowd behind you. You, you, You're at Yankee Stadium. Do the things that you need to do to show this team that they can't walk all over you. This team of ragtag dudes that are are put together in a different way every time who have, when you walk into a series on on, uh, Thursday, Friday, have TBD on every single pitcher's spot for the Rays. Like You should be beating those teams. The TBD is just infuriating to look at because it means they don't have a real pitching staff and yet they still continue to mow through you. That's embarrassing. 
the Yankees are five and thirteen against the Rays since the start of twenty twenty. That includes the postseason where they lost the ALDS. And uh, one thing we didn't mention after last weekend's series is the Yankees hit multiple Tampa Rays hitters, and and um, uh, Meadows got hit twice by Jordan Montgomery. The second one definitely was not intentional. The first one looked pretty intentional, although I don't know why he would have been throwing at uh, Meadows in that situation, but it did look intentional. Anyway, after that series, Kevin Kiermeyer said he was pretty upset about getting thrown at multiple times, and he said, we'll see where it goes from here. And one thing that Kevin Cash and the Rays do exceptionally well is they play the victim card. They play the we were wronged card. And when it comes to the Yankees, even if they're the instigators, which in the past they have been this year, maybe it seems like the Yankees are trying to instigate something. The Rays play that weaselly rat. We were wronged card and they do it so damn well. It's so frustrating. Gets under your skin, but then they back it up with good baseball and they beat you. Yeah, the Yankees need to be that that cocky juggernaut and actually execute as a cocky juggernaut. And they're just not doing it. And that little, when, when you have the the little brother, scrappy brother who's coming in and doing these things and beating the the um, you know the the big brother who clearly should be dominating, like there's a fundamental problem here. There, there's a there's also a mental problem. Like you need to understand who you are and look at, around you at the lineup you have. And I mean, not to not to sit lean on money, but look at the money you're making because of the because of the execution that you had shown previously, and flex flex on them so they understand that they are not a better team. You need to be the better team, the superior team, and show it and flex that dominance. So number one is stop the sloppy play. Like when are these slow starts going to stop? And number two is play better baseball against the Rays. The number three thing I want to know is who's going to start for the Yankees on Friday night because they also have a TBD starter. Matt Blake has said it could be Michael King could be Debbie Garcia or it could be a bullpen game. This would have been Domingo Herman's start. I don't think it's going to be Debbie Garcia because he just threw 76 pitches on Wednesday at the alternate site. So I think it's going to be Michael King. It seems like it's going to be Michael King. We're recording this on Thursday um, for you know early Friday release. So if they have announced it by by now, um, that's the reason. But yeah, it seems like Michael King's going to be the guy. You know, we talked about how how well he did in that, in that six, those six innings when he was just like, Boone's like, you're okay. You're the guy you're going out there. I wonder how many innings he will have in front of him. If, uh, if things aren't going, well, it's, isn't it funny how, yeah, you can be a, you can come in in the third inning and I'll let you go six innings. But if you start a game, you're not going past four. It's, it's this, this is the, the mentality that drives me insanely, insanely nuts. It's the same thing that happened the other night when you have a tie game. And you don't bring in Chapman to face the heart of the lineup because it's you don't have a lead. It's the ninth, and you don't have a lead, so you can't bring in Chapman because that's what happens with Boone. That's a de facto rule, and if that that rule is in place because of the situation, then so be it. Even though the situation may say, "Hey, these guys are good, probably the best batters on in their lineup. Let's throw the the guy who normally pitches around this time, who's the best pitcher on the team in the bullpen, you know, arguably at that at that uh, at those guys." But no. And I would much rather see Michael King get a start, after, especially after that first performance, than a bullpen game. I don't, I don't need to see a bullpen game. Give me a Michael King start. I'll do number four, and you can do number five. So the number four thing is stop grounding into double plays. The Yankees are leading the league in double plays grounded into this year with fifteen. It's it's infuriating. That's it. Stop grounding into double plays. You don't need to say anything else. There's really not much more to say there. Execute better in situations when there's runners on first base and stop 
um, grounding into double plays. That's it. That's a that's a very very hard line here. Um, that's it. I got nothing more to say on that. It's pretty pretty cut and dry. The last Forrest thing Gump, here, That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. The last thing oh, here you is did the what, voice. I wasn't brave enough to do the voice. <laughs> what the hell is going on in the American League East right now? With this is number it's five. Looking forward to this weekend. The Boston Red Sox have won nine in a row. Uh, they've they've played the Orioles a few times, so that's something. So but, the Yankees, but they didn't. But they're them. also going in there now with more confidence. Their starting pitching is not looking as bad as everybody expected it to be, and their offense. You know, we expected their offense to be a uh, you know a relatively proficient offense. Not not that much has changed. They have good. Um, good hitters on in that lineup that can execute the white Sox are coming or, or they're, they're playing the white Sox. white Sox have not been you know playing as well as uh, i think a lot of people expected to start the season is this the weekend where the white Sox now turn it on uh and and kind of course correct a little bit uh as well as course correct the red Sox, bring that back down to earth because that needs to happen i don't need to see the red Sox going on a roll here longer than nine games and and you know building some type of lead and building some some false sense of confidence that uh you know, that Cora is just leaning on and leaning on and leaning on and just, you know, are the are the Boston Red Sox about to be back in our world? Well, they started off so terribly. They got swept in the first weekend by Baltimore. Destroyed. And then, and then they've gone on a run since then. And I think they they could, from this April run, they could set themselves up to just be competitive in the division. And if we didn't think they were going to be competitive in the division, we thought it was going to be the Yankees, the Rays, and then maybe the Blue Jays were going to be pesky in the division. But now if you add the Red Sox to it and you can no longer assume 14, 15 wins against the Red Sox, if you're going nine and nine, the division becomes far, far more tough. It's a dogfight. It's a dogfight. And and getting... When you look at what the AL Central is potentially, uh, then getting a couple teams out of the AL East is going to be a a taller task as well. So there may be a situation later in the season if this if this division is better than we think, better than we thought, and there's more of a you know 500 stamp being thrown up between these these teams, that that there very well could be a a very important AL East um, division race. For for who's going to take the title of that come the end of the season? If if we're starting to see some of these other uh, other divisions separate from the top and the bottom, how much do you put? How much weight do you put in that they got Alex Cora back? I, I mean, I think it's relatively significant. But when you, at the end of the day, like to me, I, I players still talent. need to play. It, but it was the pitching. The pitching was the biggest thing. We, the offense was not well. They the didn't hit can, last year. They didn't hit yeah, last but, year. I, I, but you look at the names on that team. The offense can definitely go. I, I was JD Martinez has like 75 doubles already. Like this because JD Martinez is a good baseball player that had a really shitty last year. So like, right. If we're using the convenient uh, opportunity to throw away 2020, it's pretty easy to do that with some of the offensive stats. When you look at the Red Sox, you, you, you bring back Cora, you bring back, you know, a different mindset really. And, and now that the pit, if your pitching is executing, that's a problem. The, the, the glaring talent deficiency on the Red Sox was in their pitching staff. And if they're getting guys that are, not supposed to be effectively, you know, doing the things that they're doing currently, and they're doing this at a sustained level, then that's a problem. Yeah, and, and I think it's going to, it's going to make the division like we just said a dogfight through through the season, and it's certainly not something anything you can take for granted. As far as yeah, we'll win our mid nineties, you know, we'll, the Yankees will win ninety six games and we'll we'll be fine in the division. It's like you might not get to ninety six because you're not going to have all those wins against the bad AL East teams that don't exist anymore. Like I, I mean, know you predicted 
undefeated against the Orioles, which I did not hasn't predict happened. undefeated against the Orioles. Why do you keep saying that? Let me let me let me just finish the point yeah. is that even the Orioles, I don't think, are like a cakewalk. I think every team there's 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 games to be had for all five of these ALEs teams, which makes it very hard. I think the or the the Orioles are are bad, but they have a if if, if one to two pitchers are, are performing, then okay. But here's the thing. I, I don't think it's ter- a terrible situation. One, the, the regular season becomes more entertaining for me, at least as a as a as a as a viewer. I like competition. I like watching um, competitive games. And you know, if the AL East is tougher, and they and the Yankees are are, are in a dogfight to win that the AL East, and a lot more of these regular season games become less of a, a you know cakewalk home run competition, but more of like an executable game that they have to do different things with. It's going to be better for them long term if they can if they can come out of the of the division. Look at you looking at the glass half full, trying to spin this yeah, spin like the it. Red Sox like, nine game God win forbid, streak into a positive. God forbid, God forbid, we become more of a you know a gritty baseball team that oh by the way has the ability to smash the ball a thousand times out of the park. If they could, if they can, you know, be put to the test, come out of this division with you know four good teams. And and be able to grind out some more games in different ways. It's going to just make them better for the playoffs because right now they're not suited that great for the playoffs. If they can grind through this, I'm I'm okay with that. I was talking to my dad last thing. I was talking to my dad the other day, and we were just we were just he was just bitching about how the team is playing. I was that's like, a, oh, that's yeah. a shock. I was like, they do this every April. They come out, they look terrible, and then they get hot in May with the weather. They hit a crap ton of home runs. They win 95 games, and then they lose in October for the exact same reasons they lost in April. Like, it's happened for the past four years. It's true. When you look at the April struggles and you identify, like, the actual reasons why they lose in uh, in the playoffs, not really looking at the talent and and you know, what, why they lost during the regular season. And then just assuming that's why they lost. I'm talking about pitching. It's, it actually has not been the pitching. The reason it's knocked them out. It's, it's been the offense and, and yeah, that's, that's the problem right now, even more so. It's been the lack of timely offense and it's been the starting pitching, not being able to go deep in games at all and an over-reliance on bullpen in the playoffs. Sure. That's cost them. So, yeah. I mean, when you, when that, you have Debbie Garcia only go, you know, less than an inning for one inning. Uh, a game to one glorious one inning. inning. All right, that's that's detrimental. That's, that's it for the first ever Friday Fives. I, I know we were going to say, we said we were going to do 20 minutes. What did we do, 40 minutes? Because we that's can't better. shut we... the hell up. <laughs> but uh, let us know what you guys are looking forward to this week. What are your top five things you're looking forward to into the weekend against the race? Tweet at us, at Yankees Podcast. We want to hear from you guys. Continue to light up the voicemail line. That was awesome to hear those come back last weekend. 646-480-0342. I'm looking forward to this weekend series just of course because it's it's I still think the number one competition in the division. So they got to they got to take a series at home. You cannot lose a series at home after you just lost a series on the road. After you just lost two series on the road to two in division opponents. No, you cannot. You need to win at home, defend home turf. So yeah, it's going to be fun. Fun uh, fun weekend of baseball coming. All right. We'll talk to you guys Monday morning. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.
sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.